You're listening to the Play, Teach, Talk podcast. I'm Tiffany Thompson, a speech pathologist with over 20 years of expertise in working with children under three years of age and their families to help them understand language and communicate more effectively. My specialty is in working with emerging communicators with few or no true words to reduce their frustration, help them interact and play with their peers and family, and learn to truly enjoy the back and forth of functional communication throughout their daily routines. This podcast is not intended to diagnose speech-language disorders, but is more of a general set of suggestions for children who are experiencing delays in their language skills. For recommendations or therapy specific to your child's needs, consultation or evaluation with a licensed speech-language pathologist in your city is highly suggested. This is Season 3, Episode 26 of the Play, Teach, Talk podcast, Motor Planning. So back in Episode 16 of the first season of the podcast, I did an episode about speech sound disorders. And one of the speech sound disorders that I mentioned in that episode was apraxia of speech or childhood apraxia of speech. So I am going into a lot more trainings recently to work more with my kiddos who we are finding have apraxia of speech. And I was informed by a colleague of mine and then went to a training that explained that they're finding a higher incidence of children who are on the autism spectrum who also have apraxia of speech, that the incidence is actually much higher in kids who are on the autism spectrum to have apraxia. So that kind of led me to take another continuing education training that has more to do with general motor planning. Some kids can have childhood apraxia of speech that primarily affects their language skills. However, children who have more severe apraxia of speech may also have coinciding general gross motor planning, fine motor planning issues. And so the training that I recently went into goes a little further into depth about the motor planning and then also how it relates to play and other aspects of speech and of feeding and swallowing as well. Um, So some kids have these, those overall challenges in their motor planning. And what I wanted to talk about today was how a more advanced issue with motor planning can affect a child's uh, life and ability to interact with the world. So one of the things that they explained to us was a functional emotional developmental capacity um, that talks about how children can uh, can process basically their environment. And I apologize if I'm going to be giving you a little more ums and uhs than I typically do because I have definitely learned whenever there's a new piece of information I'm trying to learn, I'm having to pause a lot more to think and kind of process what I'm trying to tell you about. So what they're talking about, and I think this is for all kiddos, but this particular this functional emotional developmental capacities was created and it's part of the DIR floor time uh, program, I believe, which is for kids who are on the autism spectrum. But I think it's actually applicable to a lot of kids. It's not just applicable to kids who are on the autism spectrum because if you have a child who is neurotypical and they don't get a good night's sleep or they're having a hard time because they're really hungry and they're having a hard time paying attention, you're going to get issues in the same areas of functioning 
as any kid with autism or or any other sort of of issue in processing their environment. So one of the things they talk about is a child's self-regulation. They're talking about there's four components that we really need to get to the point where we can actually start to talk or be able to engage in play in a more um, creative and and problem-solving kind of way. And that's number one, self-regulation. And that's being able to be calm, alert, and attentive. And you can imagine if a child is sick or if they are stressed out or if they have not had good sleep or uh, something like that, they're going to have a lot more difficulty being able to know where their body is in space and kind of be comfortable in, in the space that they're in to learn. Number two is engagement, and that's being able to engage in a relationship with trust and a full range of affect, okay? So again, that is being able to, to check in with the other people, with your caregivers or the person who's teaching you, and being able to pay attention to what they're doing. You can imagine things like, again, a chaotic environment or something where there's a lot of noise or there's visual distraction going on. It may be much more difficult for a child to be engaged in what's going on with them and a, and a partner they're trying to learn from. And then number three, the level, the next level of kind of engagement and functional interaction is that a purposeful communication. And that's being able to initiate a communication or have a signal of an effect. And that could be a gesture. It doesn't necessarily mean at this level of purposeful communication that a child is going to be able to use words, but that they might be able to do something like sign for more, point to something that they want, or bring you to an object that they want you to help them interact with, handing you their cup if they want some more to drink. The next level of this is social problem solving, and this is where the motor planning level is. I kind of built all of this up to tell you where motor planning, not just for speech, but also for play and interacting with other people is. And this is what I found so fascinating. If you've stuck with me this long, this is the reason why I brought this up to you is because when we look at kids and we see whether they're on the autism spectrum or not, that they're doing the same thing over and over with their play, or they seem to move very quickly from one toy to another. This was the thing that really hit me when I was listening to this training, is that there might be an issue with their ability to motor plan. I'm going to go into the four pieces that you need to have to be able to do a motor plan for something like play. So the first thing they talk about is ideation, and that's the ability to conceptualize interactions with objects. I wrote that down straight from what they told me, so I know I'm not getting this wrong because this is what they said. Um, and so the idea of ideation is just even to know how to play with a toy. And that's where adults getting into play with kids and showing them how to engage with a toy in the way the toy is intended is kind of important, is to give them even that beginning idea. If they're a child that has a hard time interpreting the function of a toy on their own, if they're not, or if they're having trouble watching their peers or their brothers or sisters play with the toy in the way it's meant to be played with, and they can't figure out motor-wise how to play with a toy in that way, that's part of why we want to teach the idea of a toy, that ideation. Can we figure out how we need to do things to, to interact with a toy that we want to do? What, what is the goal what do you, that you want to do with this object? So that is one reason why you might see a child play with a toy in, in one way over and over and over and over again 
but maybe even not in the way it's intended because they don't have other ideas, other plans with that toy. Then there's organization, being able to create a plan or sequence actions in the correct order. And that's with body movements. That's with maybe if they have the concept of they want to build a, a, a block house or something. And they're just having a hard time figuring out, okay, first I need to put um, the, the the bigger blocks on the bottom that are heavier. And then I need to put two long blocks on the side and then put something on the top to kind of make an archway to do, to do this building that I'm trying to build. Creating that plan. First, I need to do this. Then I need to do that. Um, then I need to do that. That's something you kind of have to have in the process of, of creating that, that idea. So you have to first know what you want to do. That's the ideation. Organization, know what steps you need to do to make that happen. And then the execution is the third part. How do you carry out that motor plan? So this is usually what we're talking about when we're talking about teaching kids how to work on speech sound. But in play, they got the idea. They know what steps they need to take. The execution is actually getting their motor skills, getting their bodies to do what they feel like they need to do. And when kids are having trouble with getting their brain to tell their bodies or their mouths how to do something, that's where you see the breakdown in the idea for the play. To They're just having a hard time getting their body to do what, what the intent is that they have. So they might know what they want to do if they have the ideation, but they don't know how to organize or plan and then get their body to do what they're asking them to do. So the last part of this is feedback. And that is using what's going on as they are playing with a toy or as they are trying to move their body in a certain way or as they are trying to say a word, taking that information as it's happening and then making adjustments as the consequences of how they are already moving their body or how they are moving their mouth or how they're playing with that toy is working out for them. So learning how to get that feedback and getting and to adapt to a new way of interacting with a toy or a new way of saying the sound or a new way of moving their body. That that feedback and that adaptation in real time as they're playing with a toy or as they're moving their body is another skill we have to have. So isn't that interesting? Even something as simple as playing with a toy, there are these four different components to how kids are able to execute that out, right? And that's fascinating to me. I apologize for nerding out on you, but if you're with me on this, I hope you enjoy this particular podcast. But think about that. If you ever see your child having a problem or getting frustrated with a toy, consider this. You know, Do you think it's partially that they're having trouble figuring out the idea of how they're supposed to play with a toy? Is that where the breakdown is? Or is it that they don't know what steps and what order they need to do to get the outcome that they're desiring? Or are they having a hard time getting their body to do what they're expecting them to do? We saw a couple of videos of something that I want to make sure I say, and that's more of a motor planning from a body movement perspective. That would be like if you see a child who's been swinging on a regular swing you know, forever, and they love swinging on swings, but you put them on a tire swing and they're very confused and their body doesn't know what to do. They have the concept of swinging, but they don't know how to like to move their body or how to tell their body to, to adjust to this new type of swing because they don't have that motor plan yet. Or, or they're trying to go negotiate their way around climbing a piece of equipment out on a playground and their body's just having a hard time 
figuring out how to plan to move their body. That, and that, that might be one of those kiddos that you see who has a little trouble organizing and kind of moving around on a piece of equipment and then also might have trouble with making those plans with their mouth as well. This can also be a child who's having a problem with learning how to coordinate, suck and swallow and breathe for their bottle feeding or chewing food. So I hope this is helpful. This is just one of those missing pieces, just like executive function, that I think it's it's more of a meta thing. It's it's a thing that's happening in the brain that we, we don't necessarily see until we know how to break down the pieces of it to understand what's actually going on. Uh, I will see if I can find you some uh, resources that you can look up if you want to have a little more information about this. But to me, this is really fascinating. And I definitely will be not just looking at kids who are playing with toys or repetitively is thinking, oh, well, they just, they're doing this because they need stimulation. It might actually be that they don't really know the other ways to play with the toys or they don't have a good plan with how to play with a toy in a different way. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would help me greatly if you subscribe or leave a five-star review. For additional content, including YouTube videos, articles, handouts, and help catered specifically to your child's needs, please visit playteachtalk.com.